everyone and welcome. Today's discussion is for companies that are successful in the commercial sector and are mulling over whether to enter the federal marketplace. The government spends a lot of money, about $500 billion in discretionary spending. So naturally, many businesses would like to get in on that action. But should you? How do you determine early on if it makes business sense to sell to the federal government without costly trial and error? In what ways is government contracting different than commercial sales? What are the biggest mistakes companies make when they enter the federal marketplace? And how long does it typically take to win your first contract? To help me sort through these issues, I've reached out to Jennifer Schaus, founder and CEO of Jennifer Schaus & Associates. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Shirley. It's a great pleasure to be with you here today. Well, it's a pleasure having you. Jennifer, please tell our audience a little more about yourself and Jennifer Schaus and Associates. Sure. Thank you, Shirley. So, in a nutshell, I leaped into federal contracting with a former employer, Dun & Bradstreet, and that was more than 20 years ago, so I've got some gray hairs to prove it. <laughs> uh, Dun & Bradstreet sells data, and the division that I was in, we specifically sold data and subscriptions to federal government agencies. I primarily enjoy the complexity of the market, but also uh, the simple fact that, like any business, it really does come down to relationships. I eventually launched my own consulting shop once I had the right mix of knowledge and potential clients. And so currently, Jennifer Shelton Associates is based in downtown Washington, D.C., and we help organizations with all phases of federal contracting from the market analysis through the entire life cycle of contract administration. Our clients are product, service, and software firms, and I would say that if we took a snapshot of the customer base right now, they are mostly established businesses. Well, I love what you do, and I share your passion. What you do dovetails very nicely with what we do here at Scale to Market, which focuses on federal business development planning, practices, and infrastructure that increase a company's market value. Let's first define our topic of discussion today a little more clearly. Many companies are successful in the commercial market and perhaps even selling to state and local governments. They desire to take on larger multi-year federal contracts, but they lack the knowledge of the complexities and regulations that govern federal procurement. They may have, in fact, attempted to win a federal contract, but were unsuccessful. It is easy to spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars and never win a contract. And if you're a small business, this can be devastating. I call it proposing yourself to death. We're going to start with defining what the federal government actually buys and what types of businesses should not pursue a federal contract. Sure. So I'll, uh, I'll continue on here with your thoughts, Shirley. And the federal government buys it all. Uh, this is A to Z, airplanes to zippers, and everything in between. However, simply because Uncle Sam buys it does not mean that you will be successful. You need to know who are the competitors and are they potentially partners? Do you understand the buying cycles, the procurement rules, the best way to position your solution? Do you have the back office administration for compliance issues? And do you have the front office sales and marketing support? 
Uh, have you equipped your team with a focused strategic plan? And this is not just a simple yes or no that happens overnight. Some serious due diligence should go into the decision to enter the market or not. I agree 100%. And those are excellent questions. Where can companies go to find the answers? So the public sector, surely is so unique that this data is all publicly available to anyone with an internet connection. There are certainly paid services that exist through data aggregators that anyone can use. And those data aggregation services are excellent and provide access to the facts, past procurement activity, forecast, and current opportunities. But you mentioned a few things that I want to explore a little. One is the best way to position your solution to the federal buyer. How is selling to a federal buyer different than selling to a commercial buyer? Sure. So we're talking cats and dogs here. Uh, Federal is a whole other beast in the sense that even the personalities are different. The motivations for buying are different. The sales cycle and strategies are different. I will say, however, something that I alluded to earlier, that people are people and relationships matter. It really does come down to relationships. But more specifically, the maze is a bit more complicated for the mouse to find the cheese in federal contracting with a few more checkpoints and hoops to jump through. I'll continue with the analogy here and note that once the federal contractor finds the cheese, it has the added benefit of being most of the time on a lazy Susan turntable. These contracts can be fairly continuous or recurring contracts, which is the added benefit of selling to the federal government. I like that analogy, Jennifer. I like to say it's a rat maze. (laughs) And to mix metaphors here, but there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, which is why you go through all the trouble. And you mentioned having the front office sales and marketing support. What do you mean by that? In what ways is that different than selling in the commercial sector? So the federal government is the world's largest buyer. Uh, Uncle Sam spends more than any entity out there on the planet. Each federal department has their own nuances, as we know, and also their own set of FAR regulations, and the FAR is the Federal Acquisition Regulation, which, again, is the, the rule book of how the government must purchase. So first you need to understand who you are selling to, what they buy, what they plan to procure, and how they plan to procure it. You also need to understand the competitive landscape and the specific FAR regulations within the agency that you're selling to. So, for example, if you're selling to Department of Defense, you should be fairly familiar with the DFARS, which is the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement. So this information as far as what the government is purchasing, uh, where they are purchasing, how much they are purchasing, and how they are purchasing is detailed in the agency forecast. Again, this is public knowledge on public websites. If you are simply reacting to RFPs, requests for proposals, this is not a sales strategy but simply a naive way to attack the market. Jennifer, what do you think is the biggest hurdle that commercial companies have to overcome to be successful in the federal market? I would say, Shirley, uh, understanding the market, anything from knowing the acronyms to the rules. 
I'll also add here that companies need to know how to navigate the market and build relationships. Selling to the government is not a quick transactional business. Uh, so companies and executive leadership need to be able to plan for a 12 to 24 month sales cycle. And yes, I did say 12 to 24 month <laughs> sales cycle. Yep, we're talking about one to two years here. So why is navigating the federal market and building relationships so challenging? Well, for right now, obvious COVID reasons prevent us from meeting in person. But building relationships is hard because meeting in person is enhanced and accelerated through in-person interactions. Relationships stem from four primary factors, proximity, duration, frequency, and intensity. I'm quoting from a book that I just read called The Like Switch by Jack Schaefer, a former FBI agent who worked in recruitment. So even before we get to those factors, it is often hard to identify who the right person or people are in the federal government decision-making process. Trying then to meet with them, get on a call, or even get them to answer an email can be a hurdle. Not to go off track here, but this is why curating a subcontracting strategy can be helpful when firms are new to federal business. Subcontracting is a little bit easier, and there exists a shorter path to achieve. Granted, subcontracting is not something you sign up for, and someone's going to call you with a, a contract. It's uber competitive um, as well as going direct, but it does have some additional benefits. I agree, Jennifer. Subcontracting gets your foot in the door. It allows you to develop relationships with the agency, understand the agency better in terms of their culture and their needs, and it also positions you to prime a contract in the future if you play your cards right. So what is the biggest mistake that you see small businesses making? So it's a tie between two. First, too often, companies leave with their set-aside designation rather than their value proposition. Sure, those things are important, but the government can select from ample businesses with that same designation. What the government is looking for is a credible, trustworthy source. The second mistake is that firms are not taking advantage of publicly available market research and so they are reacting to solicitations rather than being proactive. And this is what I mentioned earlier, that this is really not a strategy. And this is where often a lot of time, money, and effort is wasted. And I would add in that regard that there is the notion perpetrated by some people in government that a federal procurement is a level playing field, that everyone who responds to a public solicitation has an equal chance of winning that contract, but nothing could be further from the truth. It is perfectly legal and ethical to sell your ideas and products to the government well in advance of the solicitation hitting the streets. In fact, it is encouraged by the FAR, Federal Acquisition Regulations that you mentioned earlier, Jennifer, and some people in the federal marketplace call that process shaping an upcoming procurement. It is the key to success. If you only respond to public solicitations, your chances of winning are about 1%. I've heard people say as, as great as 10%, but I think it's closer to 1%. 
So what is the most common question that you get from companies about their challenges in trying to sell to the federal government? It would easily have to, and this is a great question, so it would easily have to be how to meet the right people. This is a tough one to answer, as it's almost like answering where am I going to meet Mr. and Mrs. Wright uh, in the dating world. So sometimes the opportunity appears, but mostly we have to hunt, and we have to be specific in what we are looking for. So this takes me back to what I mentioned earlier. If, and that's a big if, the contractors have done their homework, exhausted the data, and have a strategic plan in place, then and only then do we recommend green lighting for a call or email or scheduling a matchmaking event. There are a ton of associations to join where you can mix and mingle with primes or even contracting officers within the federal government. Sometimes uh, you're lucky enough to have a program manager be a speaker at an event or something even virtual, obviously, these days. Then the conversation should be about a specific opportunity, not what can you do for me. I agree. Jennifer, we need to take a break. I'm talking to Jennifer Schaus, CEO and founder of Jennifer Schaus and Associates. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your host and the creator of this Growth Masters Federal presentation is Shirley Collier, president and founder of Scale to Market and the Growth Masters Federal podcast channel. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and build market value by developing and executing customized data-driven business development playbooks, building efficient information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Utilizing the proprietary Davey Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to increase their company's value by achieving profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email Shirley at scollier at scaletomarket.com to learn more about the Davy Growth Framework and how it can be instrumental in helping grow your federal contracting business. Back now to Shirley's conversation with Jennifer Schaus, founder and CEO of Jennifer Schaus & Associates, as they describe the challenges and examine best practices for private sector companies considering entering the federal market. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the challenges associated with selling to the federal government. Let's talk a little now about the concept of contract vehicles, which many commercial companies fail to understand. The GSA schedule is a contract vehicle. Jennifer, how do you advise companies on whether or not they should get on the schedule? So that is correct, Shirley. We do help companies get onto and manage the GSA schedule contract. There is no cookie cutter answer, and perhaps that's a good thing. So this takes me back to both market research and the pie chart. So do your homework, or we can do it for you to better analyze and understand who buys your solution, where it's purchased, when it's purchased, how much is purchased, and what vehicles are being used for the procurement. So every contractor should be able to answer, or every prospective GSA schedule prospect should be able to answer, 
how big the market is for their solution, and how big is the GSA schedule for their solution. If you can't answer that, then again, you're being reactive, which is uh, going to get you nowhere fast. And my understanding, Jennifer, is that GSA schedules only account for about 10% of federal discretionary spending. The rest is procured through GWACs or through direct contracts. Explain the concept of GWACs or government-wide acquisition contracts for our audience. Correct. So GSA schedule, General Services Administration, uh, are in fact GWACs, government-wide acquisition contracts meaning that any government department has the ability to purchase off of them. Uh, If we drew a pie chart and labeled it, how the federal government purchases, there would be several pieces to this pie. So GSA comes in at about 10 10 to 12%, yet represents several billion dollars, and that's billion with a B. However, even though it's billions of dollars, most of those dollars follow the 80-20 rule that the top 20% of the schedule holders are winning 80% of the revenue going through GSA schedules. So back to the pie, uh, full and open competition, generally speaking, is coming in at about 30 to 35%, which will be one of the larger slices. And these percentages are different for every business. So this is why it's important to know what the percentages are for your specific business. I'm not going to run through the other pieces here due to time constraints, uh, so let's move on. Yeah, you're right, Jennifer. An important point to convey is that companies new to the federal marketplace must understand how contract vehicles work. It is the way the government procures and awards contracts. How can small businesses go direct after contracts without a contract vehicle in place. Is this a more difficult path? I'm glad you asked this one, Shirley. So often we experience and see firms that have pulled the trigger on SBA 8A certification or perhaps have gotten onto the GSA schedule and they have no idea what they signed up for uh, or how to leverage it. So the build it and they will come strategy is not always wise. Uh, going back to this pie chart, one would see that the government purchases in a variety of ways, all according to the farm. And as I mentioned, this includes full and open competition, meaning that anyone with a connection to the Internet can go on to betasam.gov and see the opportunity and respond. And again, still going back to the pie chart, LPTA, lowest price, technically acceptable contracts, also tend to open the floodgates for first-time or newer firms, although they will get beat up on price and there will probably be no no margin there on their balance sheet uh, when we look specifically at that transaction. But lowest price, technically acceptable, allow companies to come in that have absolutely no past performance. Uh, So you may get a footprint in a federal agency, but you're probably not going to make any money. I would agree. And Jennifer, you alluded to this earlier, but I think that one of the biggest surprises to commercial companies who attempt to sell to the federal government is how long it takes to get their first contract and how much they need to invest in the process. What have you observed? Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
spoiler alert, but I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, that, yeah, it can take one to two years to really kind of hit the ground running, and that's just the average time for the sales cycle. Now, certainly there are some one-hit wonders in there that somebody comes in and, you know, in three months they've won a contract, but uh, that's few and far between, uh, and those contracts are typically not significant. But back to the sales cycle, you know, the 12 to 24 months, that's certainly a lot of time not making money and a lot of upfront investment in research, marketing, and planning, and perhaps even writing several non-winning proposals. It's also wise, I believe, to review the RFPs, requests for proposals, and having a process in place to make a bid or no-bid decision. Sometimes it can be very smart to walk away from an RFP knowing that it's been curated or crafted for somebody else that has specific capabilities that you do not. Yes, you need to be very disciplined in your approach to determining whether or not you want to pursue a, uh, an opportunity in the federal sector. Companies, what I've observed, Jennifer, is that companies need to be prepared not only for the time frame that you mentioned, but to invest a minimum of one hundred thousand to two hundred thousand in sales and marketing efforts. Does that sound reasonable to you? I absolutely concur with those numbers. Yes, in order to be successful. So, Jennifer, as we wrap up here, do you have any final advice for our audience? Yeah, surely. I would say uh, companies really need to be focused. Use the tools that are available to you so that you can be proactive and not reactive. You want to ensure that you're not selling IT services as well as landscaping services. Pick one thing, do it well, and be known for that. Uh, As we mentioned, the federal government is the world's largest purchaser. So if you are known for being the best landscaping company that's out there or the best IT company that's out there, then do that, focus on that, and replicate those services or sell that product across multiple agencies and departments. And my advice is to be realistic and disciplined. Think strategically, educate yourself, invest smartly, and leverage others. You will then prosper in the complex, highly regulated, but opportunity-rich federal marketplace. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Shirley, it's been a great pleasure to be a guest here on your program. I love what you're doing and I'm flattered to be uh, a part of this. So thank you for the great questions and also your very sage uh, advice and insight on the market. Well, it's been my pleasure as well. Folks, if you would like to get in touch with Jennifer, she can be reached at jshouse at jennifershouse.com or you can reach out to us here at Skelta Market and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, president of Skelta Market and host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us today and encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit our website, that's skeletomarket.com with the number two in the middle where you will find our library of podcasts, webcasts, white papers, my blog, and other links and resources. While there, please leave us a comment or suggestion so we can stay focused on what's important to you. We'll see you next time.